Well, good morning. My name is Matthew, and I have the privilege of serving as the student pastor here at Bell Shoals. Uh, next week, Pastor Corey's going to be back and kicking off that brand new teaching series called Knowing God. And this would be a great series for you to invite a friend to, a neighbor to, anybody who maybe has questions about Jesus, questions about who God is. Great series to invite them to. So I would encourage you to be back here next week as we kick that off. When I was in seventh grade, my history teacher had our class compete in a stock market game. We were given 10,000 imaginary dollars that we could invest in different stocks. And at the end of the semester, whoever made the most profit was the winner. Now, most of the kids in the class, being in the seventh grade, they didn't care about this at all. They weren't interested. They didn't take it seriously. You know, they found a couple of the big name companies, Microsoft, Disney, Apple, put all the money in there, and then they didn't look at it for, for the rest of the semester. They, they weren't interested. But I got really into this game and started nerding out on the stock market. I was reading these articles and watching finance shows on, uh, on news channels. I was asking my dad for advice, and I was trying to find these undervalued stocks that would give me some crazy return. And I ended up finding this really obscure gold company and this really obscure oil company and did some research on it and took my $10,000 and split it between the two. And at the end of the semester, I ended up winning. I had the, the biggest profit in, in the class. And after that semester, I was hooked. I mean, the, the idea that I could invest my money, leave it there for a few months, not do anything, and a few months later have more money like, this was crazy to me. I'm like, what kind of voodoo magic is this? Like, is this even legal? Do other people know about this? This seems too easy. It's too good to be true. Now, obviously, at the time, I didn't know that the opposite could happen as well. You could put your money in there, leave it for a while, and have nothing. But when I found out about this, it was like, man, this is too good to pass up. And as I started continuing to, to invest and research and study, I, I, I figured out that the key to successful investing, it really came down to, to two things, time and discipline. You need to invest a little bit every month, and you need to hold on to it for a really, really long time. Like whether the market is doing good or the market's struggling like it is right now, you stay the course, you stick with your game plan. It's a little bit every month, year after year after year. And typically with this strategy, you don't see significant results for a while. It can be months, sometimes years before you really notice a difference in your account. But you let that compound interest begin to, to work its magic and one day you reach this tipping point and you start to see the benefits of your discipline and your patience. Those small, consistent investments that you've been making over a long period of time, they start to have some pretty significant results. But you see, this principle, it's not just true with investing, small you know, deposits over a long period of time. This principle is true in other areas of life as well. So think about losing weight and, and getting into shape. Like you don't just eat one salad and walk in the gym one time and expect to lose 20 pounds and, and look like you're ready for, for summer at the beach. I mean, people might tell you that on, on TV or social media, but that's not how, it's work, how it works. It's about making good decisions day after day, being consistent, 
replacing that soda with the water, skipping that trip to Chick-fil-A or Taco Bell and eating the salad instead, you know, going on the, the walk, going on the run, going to the gym. And after several months of this consistency, of this, this discipline, making good decisions day after day, man, you start to notice some real results. Real change, real results, it requires patience, requires consistency and discipline. And this is a principle in life that, that really can't be avoided. It really can't be worked around. It's just kind of is what it is. But just because this principle is true, it doesn't mean that it's easy. You see, this principle of, of discipline and hard work and, and patience, it is in conflict with our modern society. Like we live in a culture of instant gratification where we wanna see immediate results. We don't wanna to have to wait for anything. We want things as soon as we want it. I mean, just think about what technology has done for us. We have the ability now to stream any TV show or any movie in a matter of seconds. Like this past Friday, I set my alarm early, 6 a.m., got up, flipped on Disney Plus because the new Obi-Wan Kenobi series was out. And I was gonna watch it first thing in the morning and then within a few seconds, I'm watching it. We have the ability now to order something from Amazon and have it delivered within a couple of hours. The other day I ordered a phone case on Thursday. It was delivered Friday morning at 4 a.m. Like we can have things instantly. We can find any info we want on the internet with just a few clicks. And we have become conditioned to expect immediate results from our efforts. We don't have to wait. We get it right away. But unfortunately, I think we have carried this mindset and this expectation into our faith. And when it comes to God working and moving in our lives, we don't want to have to wait. We don't want to be patient. We don't want to be consistent or, or disciplined with our obedience. We want to be able to pray a prayer, say a few magic words, and have it all happen for us immediately. We want immediate results without a whole lot of effort, when, without a whole lot of waiting. But when this is our mindset, when this is our expectation for how God should work in our lives, it's easy to become frustrated when God doesn't respond how we want him to. When we aren't seeing the, the results that we, we hope for. And when this happens, as we get frustrated and discouraged, we, we oftentimes start to, to grow tired and, and weary. Tired of being obedient and doing the right thing all the time tired of, of being faithful with where we are in life, tired of, uh, of waiting on, on God's timing, tired of being impatient, because it doesn't really seem to be making any difference at all. I mean, we look around at other people in our life, people who aren't following the Lord, people who aren't obeying him, people who aren't being faithful, and they're getting everything that we want. They're the ones who are getting the promotion and the recognition at work. They're the ones who are finding a spouse and getting married. They're the ones who are being blessed with children. They're living the life that we want, the life of our dreams. And here we are, trying to do the right thing, trying to be patient, trying to be faithful, but nothing seems to be working out how we want it to. And we start to wonder, 
Is what I'm doing even making a difference? Does following the Lord even matter? Like, is God even paying attention? Does God notice? Does God care? And is it really worth waiting on God and and his timing? And maybe that's you this morning. Your faith feels like it's on, on empty. You're tired, you're weary, you're worn out because God hasn't been responding in your life the way that you hoped he would. And you're tempted to stop waiting on him. You're tempted to take control of the situation and to stop doing what you know is right. So this morning, what I want us to to do is to take a look at a passage found in Galatians chapter six. Galatians chapter six. And up to this point in, in the letter, Paul has been talking about what new life in Christ looks like what it looks like for us to be led by the Holy Spirit rather than than the flesh. And Paul, he provides us with the the fruits of the Spirit, the characteristics that, that should mark the life of a follower of Jesus. And then he begins to to share what a, a community of believers who are being led by the Spirit, what that should look like. He says a community of believers, they shouldn't be conceited and be provoking one another to envy. They shouldn't be comparing themselves and and constantly competing. Instead, they should be restoring and building up those who are caught in sin. They should be carrying each other's burdens. They should be loving one another and showing compassion. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. This is what it looks like to be led by the Spirit in your life. And then as Paul is wrapping up this section, he says this in in verse 7 of chapter 6. Do not... Be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Paul says, don't don't be deceived. Don't be fooled. Don't fall into this trap. God cannot be mocked. And here, Paul is addressing this false idea, this false belief that our actions in life don't have consequences that how we live doesn't really matter, it doesn't have any ramifications, that we can do whatever we want, we can make any decision that we want, and we're not gonna have to answer to anyone for it. And if you look around at our our society today, if you look around at our world, this mindset, this attitude is so prevalent today. People believe they can do whatever they want and not have to suffer any consequences. They believe that they don't have to answer to anybody for their life. They get to determine what is true. They determine what is right and is best. And no one should be able to tell them how they should live their lives. But Paul, he's giving us this warning. He's trying to caution us. He says, God God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. He uses this word picture of reaping and sowing. You see, the people he was writing to, they lived in an agricultural society, and they understood this. Like the seed that they sowed, the seed that they planted would determine the kind of harvest that they would reap. I mean, it's the basic idea of cause and effect, cause and consequence. And here's what Paul is really trying to communicate to them and to us today. We may think that we're getting away with something, 
We may think that our actions and our decisions are going unnoticed and that there won't be any consequences, but eventually we will reap what we sow. What we do consistently in life over a long-term basis, whether it's good or bad, it's going to have consequences. We're going to see the results. It's going to catch up with us. This is a law that God has built into the fabric of the universe. It says, God cannot be mocked. You will reap what you sow. And he says this in verse eight. He says, whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh they're gonna reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Once again, Paul is highlighting the importance of being led by the Spirit in our lives. And for those who have placed their faith, their trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit has come to live inside of inside us. He's taken up residence in our heart. The Holy Spirit has, has brought us to life. The Holy Spirit has made us a new creation. But we still are impacted by our flesh. There's this constant tension, this constant battle going on between the spirit inside of us and our flesh. But with every action and every word and, and every thought, we are sowing seed. We are making a deposit. And we're either making a deposit, Paul says, towards the flesh or we're making a deposit towards the spirit. And we make these deposits each and every day with, with, with every action, with every word we speak, with every decision that we make. We're making these small deposits, but these deposits, they begin to grow over time. They begin to, to, to compound in our life. And while we may not see immediate results, we may not see the consequences of our actions for, for many years, one day we're gonna reach that tipping point and we're going to reap a harvest from what we have sown. And Paul says it's either gonna be a harvest of eternal life or it's gonna be a harvest of destruction. What does Paul mean when he talks about sowing to please the flesh? It means to, to gratify our, our sinful desires to give in to our sinful nature, nature, to resist the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life. And Paul, just a few verses before, explained exactly what this looks like. In Galatians 5, he says this. He says, the acts of the flesh, they're, they're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He says, I warn you, as I have before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, when we sow to the flesh, when we make those small deposits, when we choose jealousy, when we choose immorality, when we choose division, when we choose selfish ambition, when we gratify our sin nature, when we lean into the flesh, we will face the consequences of those actions eventually. Paul says that we will reap destruction in our lives. But the alternative is to sow to please the Spirit. 
to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in our life, to allow the Holy Spirit to produce fruit in our life. He says we're either gonna have a harvest of life or a harvest of destruction, and it all depends on the kind of seed that you're sowing, on the kind of deposits that you're making with your life, your actions, your words, your thoughts. And then he says this, therefore, in light of all this, let us not become weary. Let us not grow tired in doing good. You know, at times, I, I, I think we can suffer from faith fatigue, where our faith grows tired and weary because we're not seeing any results. We're not seeing any fruit. We're not seeing any evidence of God moving and working in our lives. Like we've been sharing Jesus with a friend for years, inviting them to church, trying to set a good example, sharing about what Jesus has done in our life, but they continue to be resistant. They continue to just show no interest. And we're wondering, is this ever gonna make a difference? Or you have a, a, a wayward child that you've been praying for. They grew up knowing and loving Jesus, and then in college or in their 20s, they kind of walked away from it. And you've been praying for them, you've been reaching out, you're trying to not overstep, but you're trying to, to love them and encourage them, but they still haven't come back around. Or you've been trying to, to honor the Lord with your singleness, trying to live a life of integrity, a life of, of, of values. You don't wanna just settle for anyone but you look around and all your friends are getting engaged, all your friends are getting married, all your friends are having, having babies and like you're not meeting anybody. There aren't any prospects right now. Or you're trying to be faithful with the season of life that you're in. You're trying to be faithful with that job God has you at or the career that you're in, but you're hoping for more, you're wanting for more, but no doors are seeming to, to be opening and you just feel stuck. And when this happens, we, we grow frustrated. And we start to wonder, is, is, is God ever gonna come through? Is, is what I'm doing even making a difference? Does it even matter? And we're tempted to, to try to take control of the situation, to, 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 to not wait on God's timing, and to just do what everyone else is doing because it's working out for them and God doesn't seem to be coming through in our life. We're tired of waiting. But Paul would say to us today, don't grow weary, don't grow tired in doing good. And here's why, listen to what he says next. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. He says, don't grow tired, don't go, grow weary in doing good, for we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. But notice the key phrase here. At the proper time. We will reap a harvest at the proper time. And when is the proper time? We don't know. Only God knows. The proper time is based on God's plan and God's timing. And that's why this principle of being obedient, being faithful, being patient is so difficult and challenging. Because we have our own timelines don't we? We have our own schedules. 
We have our own expectations, and we want God to get on board with our timing. We want God to adopt our five-year plan. Like, God, this is when I'm gonna get married, and this is when we're gonna buy a house, this is when we're gonna have our first kid and our second kid, this is when I'm gonna graduate from, from school, this is when I'm gonna start my career, this is when I'm gonna get my promotion, this is when I'm gonna move. God, here's my plan, here's my schedule, I need you to work with this. But here's what I've learned. I've learned this the hard way. God doesn't adjust his plans to meet our timeline. You know, I've never met anyone who is as much of a planner as I am. I'm sure they're out there. I just have not come across them yet. Um, Since I was in middle school, I knew the one-year plan, I knew the five-year plan, I knew the 10-year plan. And as I've gotten older, those plans have just continued to, 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 to grow and to follow me along. I've, I've had it all planned out according to my expectations and my timeline. But a big part of my faith journey, a big part of the Holy Spirit working in my life has been learning to surrender my plans and my timing, and my expectations, and to trust that at the proper time, there will be a harvest. And by no means have I mastered this. There are times when I'm tempted to to rush God's timing, to take control of the situation, to, to try to find a shortcut around what God is doing. But when I feel that tension, when I feel that temptation building, I have to remind myself that God is in control and that he is working all things together for his glory and for my good. Paul says, don't grow weary in doing good. At the proper time, God's time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And then he finishes in verse 10 by saying this. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. He says, whenever we have an opportunity, let us continue to do good. Let us continue to be obedient and faithful. Let us continue to trust God and wait on his timing because we will reap what we sow and there will be a harvest at the proper time if we don't give up. So what I wanna do before we wrap up this morning is is from this passage, I wanna give you three truths to remember and to hold on to especially if you find yourself in a season of waiting, maybe a season of frustration where you're wondering, God, when are you gonna come through? God, when am I gonna see the the fruit of my labor? When am I going to see something happen? Three truths. The first one is this. We are judged by our faithfulness, not our results. You see, the world judges our effectiveness in life based on our results, based on things they can can measure, profit and growth and attendance and, and return on investment. And the world really is not concerned with how much effort we give, what our intentions are. The world only cares about our results and they want to see results immediately. They don't wanna wait, they don't wanna be patient. 
But that's not how God's economy works. In God's economy, we aren't responsible for the results. We aren't responsible for the outcome, but we are responsible for our effort. We are responsible for our faithfulness. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing to, to these believers, and in the church, there's a whole lot of conflict, a whole lot of jealousy, a whole lot of competition, and, and they're arguing over which leader they're following. Some of them are saying, I follow this guy. Some of them are saying, I follow that guy. But listen to how Paul addresses this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says this. What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? They are only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. But God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor, according to their own effort. Paul says we are responsible in life for planting and watering, for sowing seed, for being faithful and obedient, but it's God who gives the growth. He's the one who is in charge of the outcome. He's responsible for the size of the harvest and he's responsible for the timing of the harvest. And he says, I just need you to be faithful. I just need you to be obedient. I just need you to play your part. Don't worry about the results. Don't worry about the outcome. Be faithful with what I've given you. And I just wonder this morning, church, are you being faithful with what God has entrusted to you in this season? Are you being faithful with your relationships, with your marriage, with your children, with your friends, with your coworkers, with your neighbors? Are you honoring God with those relationships? Are you being faithful with your current job, your current career path, your current season of life? Are you honoring him? Are you putting forth your best effort? Are you being faithful with your resources and your finances that God has blessed you with? Are you being faithful with the ministry opportunities that God has provided at church or at work or in your neighborhood? We're not responsible for the outcome, but we are responsible for being faithful for our efforts. The second truth is this. What we reap is often Christ-like character. You know, when we think of, of reaping a harvest, we tend to think in terms of, of things that we can see, things that we can point to, things that we can measure, tangible results. But oftentimes the harvest is less about what God is giving to us and it's more about what God is doing in us. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter one. He says, in all this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come. Why? So that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. Listen, God's primary concern for your life is not your career. 
It's not that next promotion. It's not climbing the, the ladder at work. It's not getting that, that, that next job. God's primary concern for your life is not your education and how many degrees you, you can get. God's primary concern for your life isn't even the relationships in your life. God's primary concern in your life is your character. It's you being conformed into the image and the likeness of Jesus, which means that sometimes the purpose for our waiting, the purpose of the delayed gratification is because God is in the process of growing our faith, of strengthening our character. Look, the, we, we, we don't obey God so that we can get something from God. We obey God so that we can become more like Jesus. And the result, the fruit of our faithfulness is Christ-likeness. Oftentimes, the, the harvest that we reap in life from the decisions we make, the actions, the, the, the thoughts, the words, is being conformed more and more into the image of Jesus. Finally, number three, the ultimate harvest is in eternity. Now, when Paul says that at the proper time we will reap a harvest, he's really pointing us to the final harvest. When Jesus will return and Jesus will judge each and every one of us according to how we have lived our lives and we will give an account for every word we've spoke, every action, every thought, every deed, and we will finally reap what we have sown in this life. And here's what we need to understand. There are times in this life when we don't see the fruit of our labor. There are times this side of heaven where we don't see the harvest of our obedience. We're doing the right thing, we're obeying, we're being faithful, we're being patient, and we never see anything come from it. We never see any noticeable results. We don't ever see any visible fruit, but listen church, that doesn't mean that what we're doing isn't making a difference. It doesn't mean that God has grown silent. It doesn't mean that God isn't using it. It doesn't mean that God isn't multiplying it because our efforts in this life are ultimately about eternity. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. I love this. He says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord, it's not in vain. Listen, when we sow to the Spirit, it is never wasted. It's never in vain. And you have no idea how God is using or will use your obedience, your faithfulness, the small deposits that you're making each and every day. You won't see the full picture of your life, the consequences of your life, till you stand before Jesus and understand this is how God has been moving. This is how God has been working. So my encouragement to you this morning is this. Keep sharing Jesus with that friend. I've got a friend, I've been sharing Jesus with him since 10th grade when Jesus changed my life. And to this day, he's still resistant. He still pushes away. But I'm gonna keep doing what I know is right because I believe that the Lord is gonna honor that. 
Keep praying for that child who has wandered off. Keep loving, keep reaching out because God is not done with them. Continue to honor God in your season of singleness. Don't settle, don't compromise, don't take shortcuts, don't rush it. God is in control. God will provide at the proper time. Keep being faithful with what God has entrusted you to. The the season of life you're in, the job that you're at, the, the, the city that you live in, the neighborhood that you're in, be faithful with it. Don't grow weary, don't grow tired in doing good. And here's why, because we serve a faithful God, a God who is true to his word and a God who is true to his promises.